you guys can be seated. Today, my beautiful wife is going to be helping me for a little bit. Y'all get to sit in on one of our dates. Aren't y'all excited? And so today, we are going to continue. Uh, we're going to continue our series, uh, "People of Pentecost." And um, I was going to have candles and everything, and uh, but I thought that may be overdoing it for today. But you know, last week we talked about. Um, what did we talk about? I know what we talked about. We talked about last week about how God has called us uh, back to the heart of worship. We talked about how God is in, how, how our worship is our connection to God and how it is through our worship that we learn about who God is and, and He is able to come into our circumstance and really change our lives. And this whole series is leading up to Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday. And uh, it's the day that in Acts 2, uh, we find that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, a very important day for the church. In fact, for those of you who don't know, uh, the day of Pentecost doesn't just represent the day that the Holy Spirit baptized the disciples and apostles uh, with, with tongues and with fire, but it was also the birthday of the church. It was whenever the church was made official, and so it's a very important day, uh, not just for spirit-filled believers, but believers across the world, because it was the establishment of the church. And so this is a very important series and a very important day for, our, for the church in general. And so today, I, we're going to talk about people of presence. We're talk, we are people of Pentecost, which means that we should also be a people of presence. God is calling us to himself. It is God's will, not that we just walk through every day uh, unaware of his presence, because the truth is, is that God is omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's everywhere, he knows everything, and so it's really funny, because even I say this from time to God, from time to time, I say, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place, which is kind of funny, because it's like going to Brother Gerald and Miss Carol's house, uh, walking in and saying, oh, Brother Gerald, you can come in. Because it's his house. The Holy Spirit is, is always present around us. He's omnipresent. And so he is in everything and around everything. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. He is everywhere at the same time. And so it's funny how sometimes we invite him into a place that he already owns. But that's a whole other sermon for another day. Uh, and, but God is calling us to be a people that not just understands that he's around and, and he's in everything, 
but we also invite him into our space. Because the thing about the Holy Spirit is he is not going to come into my space if I do not invite him into my space. And so today we're going to talk about people of presence. And, and the best way I could think about doing this as we talk about chasing God's presence is to really go back to where Christine and I had our first date. And so this is going to kind of be a little intimate. Uh, and, and so our first date night, I'll never forget it. How many of you remember the first date you had with your wife? If you don't, just raise your hand anyway. Trust me. You, I'll, I'll pray that God forgives you for lying. Don't, don't get yourself in that kind of trouble on a Sunday and it's raining. You ain't got nowhere to go. You stuck in the house. You'll be in trouble for the rest of the day. It's Memorial Day weekend. She ain't got to work. That's a lot of time to put up with. Anyways, I think I made my point. <laughs> Anyways, and so I remember the first night that Christine and I went on a date. Her dad scared me. <laughs> if you know her dad, I'm actually a big guy, and I'm, I'm actually a good bit bigger than her dad. But I'll never forget whenever Christine and I, I think, I think this was even before we were dating. We were just friends. I'll never forget that, um, that Kevin uh, came to me because I had uh, called Christina. We're getting ready to go hang out somewhere. And, um, and, and I was in a hurry. We were running late. I was coming in from out of town. And I said, hey, uh, I know I'm supposed to come pick you up. Can you meet me at the door or can you meet me at the truck in your, in your driveway because we're going to be late? And, uh, and she said, yeah, and I didn't think anything about it. Well, the following Sunday, I was preaching, and I, I, I shared this message, and, and Kevin came to me, and he said, you preached a good message. Don't you ever come and pick my daughter up and tell her to meet you at the truck again. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and, so and, and this is like one of the first real conversations I'd ever had with him. So he was, you know, he kind of put me in my place really quick, and I'm glad he did because I need to honor his daughter as we all should honor our wives. And, um, and so whenever I came and picked her up for our first date, I knew that I had to do a good job, not just for Christina, but I didn't want Kevin coming finding me behind the church again. <laughs> and so I went and, and so Christina, I, I'll never forget, I went and picked her up and I went to her house. I dressed up nice. And this is back whenever uh, I would be wearing flip flops to church all the time, wouldn't have any shoes on half the time. You know, this was, whenever I wore a jacket and stuff, it was a big deal, okay? And so we both, she wore a pretty dress, and I, I dressed up in a, in a jacket and nice pants and whatever, and we went to, uh, Fermo's was still open then, and um, we, went, we went out, and, and I remember taking her out, and I had some goals. I, first of all, I knew I had to pick a nice place because I wanted to impress her. She didn't know I was a poor college student, and I didn't want her to know. I wanted her to think, hey, daddy's got some money, you know what I'm saying? And so, I, and so I tried to pick a nice place, and, uh, and I took her out because I, I really wanted to impress her. And I wanted to bring out the best. Whenever we got there, uh, I, you know, I, I picked her up, opened her door, all the things. And, little, and young guys, I almost said little boys, I'm sorry. Young men, if you're not opening your girlfriend's door your, or your fiance's door, you're doing a bad job. You need to do better. Um, you need to treat your wife and your girlfriend accordingly. She is a jewel, jewel in the eyes of God, and she should be a jewel in your heart as well. And you should treat her as such. And so anyways, but I remember picking her up, opening her door, getting her in there. And, and I remember I was like, okay. I'm going to do the best I can. And so whenever we got there, you know, it would have been really bad if she had said, okay, what do you, if I'd have said, okay, we're going through the menu, and this is your price limit. <laughs> you know, we're at Fermo's, you know, it would have been really bad if I said, how about we share a 10-ounce st steak? Sirloin, not even a ribeye or a strip. We're talking about the, you know, the little bitty ones. That, that would have been bad because I would have been bringing my best. In fact, I decided beforehand, I had saved up, 
and I was going to fake it until I made it, and I was going to hope she didn't spend more than I brought, but I wasn't going to tell her I had to break out the overdraft penalty, you know what I'm saying? And so, but it was, but I did these things on purpose because I wanted her to enjoy her time. I, we went on our first, we were going on our first date, and I wanted her to know how special she was to me. And so I was going to pick a nice place. Uh, I, I was going to, I made a decision. I was going to give her the best that I could give her. And, and, and not only that, because it would have been a waste if she ordered the good thing, if I, if I brought her to the right place, and, but I didn't engage with her. And so one thing that I, I purposefully made a decision to do as we sat down is, is I engaged in her life. I, you know, I wanted to know what, what she liked, what she didn't like, what her dreams are, what her hopes were, uh, what does she not like. You know, I was looking for flaws, and I still haven't found any. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I just lied from the pulpit. <laughs> is it lying if you're joking? Not a lot. Not a lot. A lot is relative. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to need a backhoe. Dad, is, is the backhoe out from under the water yet? Anyways, and so we engaged in conversation. And, and, and you know what? After that, so I'm engaged. I brought her to the right place. I have set the atmosphere is what I've done. And after that, I put on the smolder. You know what the smolder? How many knows what the smolder is? Oh, come on now. There's no Disney parent. Okay. I, I turned on the smooth operator. You know what I'm saying? Does that make more sense? Is that more relevant? Okay. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, how can I get, I, I'm, I'm interested. I like who she is. She's got a great spirit. How can I get this girl to fall in love with me? Didn't take me long, trust me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And so, but here's the thing. And this is why I set this message up this way. I did all those things for her, and I continue to do all those things for her because She's worth that. She's worth much more than I'm able to give her, but I give her everything I can. And, and so every day of our lives and on that first date, it was all about setting an atmosphere to where we could connect and where we could understand one another and see if we were interested in one another. And, and, and really since then, we still set an atmosphere every day of our lives by, by coming in and saying, hey, how are you doing today? I love you. Do I need, how do I need to pray with you? What's going on in your life today? We set an atmosphere every day for a successful marriage. And so, as we're talking about, I know you're probably wondering, how in the world does this connect to what you're talking about today? Our relationship with God is all about atmosphere. Whenever we start chasing Jesus, and we start saying, hey, I want more of God's presence in my life, what if I treat, I mean, how many of you have ever been on a bad date before? Ladies, have you ever been on a bad date where the guy took you out and he took you to McDonald's and he didn't even pay for it and then he dropped you off early because you were getting on his nerves? What if, we treated, what if we treated the Holy Spirit in a way that every time, and, and you can go sit down, baby. Thank you very much. Y'all give my wife a hand, please. What if we treated the Holy Spirit in a way that every time we came to church every time we went into our prayer closet that we decidedly did this and said, I'm going to set an atmosphere to meet with Jesus. How different would our lives be if we consciously made the decision that said, every day of my life, I'm going to set an atmosphere for God to move. I'm going to set an atmosphere for God to speak to me. I think about that whenever we come to church. You know what? You are his meeting place. 
The Bible says that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't even have to pick a place to meet with God. We just have to make an atmosphere for Him to come and meet with us in. And so today I want to give you a scripture. We're going to turn to Exodus chapter 33. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 11. We're talking about being a people of presence. And so today, this, this is what the Bible says in verse 7. Now Moses, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And so as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down, the presence of God would come down, and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people, and this is important, and we're going we're to spend some time here in a little bit, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped. Each at the entrance to their tent, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, then how many of you know whenever you speak to Jesus, you don't have to speak in King James? You know, you can speak to him like, like I, I, I tell you what, I love to listen to David pray in the Bible, because David just laid it all out there, and, and you saw all of his imperfections, and you saw all of his shortcomings, he, he would say, God, when are you going to kill my enemies? I mean, that's, I mean, how, when's the last time you just said, pray, Jesus, just take them out? When's the last time you were that honest in your prayer life? Jesus, they own my last nerve. They're dancing on it. Take them out, Jesus. I love how David prayed because he just laid it all out there. And you would think, well, if David prayed things like that, he must not have been a very good Christian or, or a very good follower of God. Well, the truth is, is God said about him that he was a man after his own heart. Why? Because he was totally genuine and honest and just bare out there whenever he prayed to God. He wanted to lay it all out there so that whenever he was in God's presence, he knew he couldn't hide anything from God anyway. How many knows that God knows your heart? And we can fake it all we want to in the middle of our prayer time and in the middle of our worship time, but God already knows what issues we're hiding from him. And so let's keep going. The Lord would speak face to face to Moses as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But listen to this. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So let me ask you a question. How many today have ever done anything stupid? <laughs> Everybody's hands should be up, except my wife. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble today. You know, here's the thing. Especially in our bad decisions you know, I've done a lot of stupid things in our lives. But even in our bad decisions, we like to be comforted. Because most of the time, whenever you make a bad decision, what happens? It gets you into trouble. You get you into a place that's uncomfortable. And you look for someone. Everyone enjoys being comforted after they made a stupid decision. Everyone enjoys having someone come to you and say, hey, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And so it's strange to me that we say God loves all of us. Ooh. I'm sorry, Jesus. I won't make no more jokes about my wife. <laughs> is that me or is that Jesus? Or Okay. <laughs> Ooh, we need to go back and worship right now. Anyway, uh, it's strange to me that we say God loves all of us, but we are so slow 
to comfort people who've messed up in a way that we can't understand. It's funny how whenever we mess up, we want someone to come and coddle us and come to help us and be there for us. But it's funny how quick we are to judge people who mess up, but they mess up differently than we do. Is that true? That we struggle really loving people and forgiving people whenever we don't understand the struggle that they're going through. And so I'm glad that God doesn't dispense comfort with the same selectiveness that we tend to. I'm glad that God doesn't judge people the way that we do. I'm glad that God, he has decided to love us through the blood of Jesus. I'm glad that God is not selective with who he shares his love with. Because if he loves us, that also means he wants to commune with us. And so... Whenever I was a kid, I did something real stupid. I did a lot of things when I was stupid, a lot of stupid things when I was a kid. One thing I did is I, I was at my grandmother uh, Minchu's house, and uh, my mom's gonna remember this. <laughs> and we had this tree, and we were outside kids because this is before cell phones, this is before computers at home. And, you know, my grandmother was was a low maintenance lady. She had a big old garden in her back, in the back of her yard, and uh, we were outside people. And um, so we were outside playing, and I was about four years old, I guess. And we had this tree that we abused. I mean, it was just mean to this tree. And it was about this big around. I think it just stayed that small because we never let it grow because we were just so mean to it. We abused this tree. And, and we would get sticks after it, and we would get swords after it, and not real swords, you know, like babies. You know what I'm saying. My granny wasn't that crazy. But anyways, um, but one thing we would do is we would randomly just paint this tree. And, um, and again, I'm four years old, and we didn't wear helmets when we were kids, you know, riding the bike. Uh, we were pretty, you know, I'm surprised some of us made it through childhood. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so I was outside, and I, had, I found this spray can, this I thought was a can of spray paint. Because we always went and we spray painted this tree, this tree like a rainbow. It was all, different, all kinds of different colors. And I started spraying this, this spray paint. But I didn't have a lot of common sense, okay, <laughs> because the wind was blowing in my face. And I was spraying this aerosol can of whatever was in it against the wind. What happened? It got all up in my eyes. And I guess I didn't have enough common sense to come in out of the rain because I did it long enough for it to blind me. Like I said, hmm, this hurts. Wow, this is, ow, ah, I start crying. And I, so I have all this, this air, whatever's in this can, I don't even know what it is. And I got it all in my eyes. I can't see and I'm crying and my granny's there. And I'm like, oh, it hurts so bad. And I'm four years old. And so I probably can't communicate. I can't imagine Bellany trying to communicate to me that she sprayed something in her eyes. And so I'm like, oh, it hurts so bad. And my granny's like, what did you do? What did you do? I'm like, I don't know. It just hurts. They take me to the hospital. And, and, and it's a ridiculous, crazy accident, but it happens. And I remember laying in there, and they had to wash my eyes out. How many ever had their eyes washed out because you got some in your eyes? That's the most uncomfortable, weird experience that I still remember even at you know, when I was four years old. And so they laid me down, they start washing my eyes out, and I was freaking out, and I was freaking out. But I remember my mom, they called my mom, and, <laughs> and they were like, uh, Jay's in the hospital. And she's like, what? You know, you don't just call, your, don't call me and say, hey, by the way, Bellany's in the emergency room. Give me the reason first before you tell me that, hey, she's just going to the hospital. But anyways, and so she's like, what? So she comes up there, and I remember her walking in, and just her being there brought a sense of comfort. As she walked in, I, it's, it's almost like, and, and I, was, I was a typical little kid, you know, I still kind of freaked out even more so because Mama was there. But I remember thinking, and it's strange that I remember this, well, Mama's here, it's going to be okay. And the truth is, is that whenever we're going through things, we just need to know 
that it's going to be okay. It's like whenever we're going through a hard time, we need someone to remind us to come into our situation and, and just tap us on the shoulder or lay a hand across our shoulder and say, hey, I know this is bad and I know this isn't what you thought it should be, but it's going to be okay. You know, there have been times in my marriage with Christina that she has been God's hand in my life because things were going crazy, but she walked into the room and just said, you know what, Jay, I know that this doesn't make sense, but it's going to be okay. Even as a father, one of my favorite roles to play is the comforter. Whenever my kids, uh, you know, come in and they've stomped their toe or they've fallen, one of my favorite things to do as a dad is pick them up and say, hey, you know what, you know, I know it hurts, but it's going to pass. It's going to be okay. You know, scary dreams, I'm all over scary dreams. I, you know, mean kids at school, I'm like, well, this, <laughs> oh, Jesus, I don't know if I should say this. Like, Christina called me last week, she said, your son bit again. And I said, well, why did he, he bite somebody? She said, well, the kid took his toy. I said, bet he won't do that again. <laughs> ah, anyways, like y'all would say the same thing. Don't be lying up in here. We already lied enough today. Anyways, uh, nausea and vomiting. Christina can have that one. I don't want it. We had that a few weeks ago. It's uh, not going to go there. I don't want to make anybody sick. Anyways, y'all know how nausea goes whenever it's sick in the house. But you know what? So I'm all over trying to comfort my kids as long as it's not nausea and vomiting. And that's exactly what the Holy, what the, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is. You know, we all like to call people whenever things aren't going right. We all like to find comfort in people and in things uh, to make us feel better. But the truth is, is the minist- one of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he will come in and bring comfort in our time of need. Whenever we are going through trouble and we're going through hard situations, it is the Holy Spirit that comes in to bring comfort comfort and and I know his ministry is much more wide-ranging than that and and we may not even always feel like Jesus is there we may not always feel like Jesus knows what we go through but I think the fact that Jesus pointed out before he left that he was going to send the Holy Spirit as a comforter points to me that he knew we were going to go through trials he wanted to make sure we wouldn't have to go through them alone Aren't you glad that you serve a God that doesn't want you to go through things by yourself, but instead he has sent his spirit to be a comfort to us in our time of need? Isn't that good? And so at the end of the day, we all enjoy being comforted. It doesn't matter if we're hard or we're soft. Uh, It doesn't matter if if we're a good person or a bad person, if we're a sinner, if we're not a sinner, if we're a saint or whatever. We all need to be comforted from time to time and when a, when even when you think about the disciples whenever the storm came in and the disciples were on the boat with Jesus they, the disciples were funny to me because they see Jesus do all of these miracles but they act like they forget who he is when the hard times come into their lives anybody else feel like you do that sometimes and so I remember that story in the Bible where, where Jesus and the disciples were in a boat and a storm came and Jesus was in the front of the boat and Jesus was sleeping And the disciples were like, Jesus, it's crazy out here. The storm is crazy. It's going to take us over. Why don't you care about what's going on? And Jesus was sleeping the whole time. And Jesus comes out and he actually says, why do you have so little amount of faith? And what's crazy to me about the disciples is they knew Jesus was in the boat. We live a life that we have to believe in faith that Jesus is in the boat. They got Jesus, they got Jesus a special room downstairs on a pillow. And Jesus comes out of the comes out of the room and says, Peace, be still to the storm. And commands that the storm would be still. 
But what the disciples really wanted to know was that they weren't in this alone. Jesus, he came out of the bottom of that boat, and he didn't just calm the storms that was going on around the boat. He calmed the storm that was going on in the disciples' heart. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that he comes in when our hearts are broken, whenever there seems like there's chaos in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes in and says, chill out. I know that's, that's a really re- <laughs> weird way to say it, but he comes in and he says, you know what, it's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And so I believe God today is going to speak to someone straight into someone's chaos today. Because Pentecost is about so much more than just tongues. In the Pentecostal church, we think Pentecost has, is all about the speaking in a different language. And it has a lot to do with that. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so much bigger than just a prayer language. That is a starting point. It is not the finish line. And so the presence is what we're chasing, not just the tongues. You see, what the disciples needed to know in that boat was not just that it was going to be okay. They needed to know that God was there with them. Because they did not yet really fully understand that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus wasn't going to leave them or forsake them. They needed to be reminded that Jesus was in the boat with them. And see, today what God is, I believe, trying to remind us is that the Holy Spirit is always with us, and that is why he is calling us to be a people that makes a place for his presence. Presence is all about saying, God, I just want you. Whenever we start seeking the presence of God, I said last week that it takes the spotlight off of our own issues, and it places the spotlight on him and how good he is. God is calling us to be a people of presence, and so presence is the breeding ground for miracles and at the end of the day at the end of the day all we need is God's presence can I tell you today that this world tells us that we have a need of bigger houses, better houses bigger cars, better cars but all we need is his presence. Jesus, whenever he was getting ready to leave, told his disciples, I'm going to send you to the Holy Spirit, send you the Holy Spirit. And why did he say that? So that you wouldn't be orphans. Look it up. That's what the Bible says. I didn't want you to be left alone. And God is saying to his church today, you're not alone. I'm with you. But my question for us today is, are we really going to chase after his presence? At the end of the day, all we need is his presence. But here's the, here's the question today. God brings comfort into our lives. But he can only provide comfort in our lives if we allow him to come close to us. Let's read our, let's, let's go back to our scripture this morning. In this scripture, the Bible says this. Moses would take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. So what we see is Moses making a place for God's presence. I think, I wonder today, are we really in our own personal lives, are we making a place 
for God's presence? Are we creating a place for him to dwell? Are we creating a place in our everyday lives that's saying, you know what, God, I'm pitching a tent because I want to meet with you. I love that he calls it the tent of meeting because it was designed for us, for Moses and, his, and God's people to meet with God. And my question for us today is, are we really creating an atmosphere to meet with God? Steve, I'm going to switch microphones because this one's acting crazy. Moses used, used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. And he would go to meet with God. Today, I, I have a whole sermon and I just feel God pulling me away from it. And I just want to share with the cheer out of my heart. Is that okay? I had a whole sermon that went into comforting and this and that, and, but I feel God leading me in another direction, and so I'm going to go with that. Moses went and he, and he pitched a tent. It was called the tent of meeting, and he established this place as a place to meet with God and to speak with God. And I believe God is asking us today, are we really establishing meeting places? Whenever, Not just when we come into church, but whenever I go into my workplace, before I go, am I already prayed up? Whenever I'm sitting in my office, and am I really giving God an opportunity to speak into my life? Because a lot of, you know what the disciples' issue was whenever they were in the, in the boat? It's because they knew that Jesus was there in their minds, but there was something missing in their heart. They didn't quite understand how big and how able Jesus was. And maybe today we get so flustered by the problems that come into our lives because we are not acknowledging how big he is. Moses made a meeting place, a tent of meeting is what they called, and it became kind of the predecessor of the temple it was a meeting place the bible says that whenever moses would go in that the fire of god would come down in a pillar of smoke and so my question for you is if i were to ask you when's the last time you went into your tent what would you tell me when's the last time that you went into a very intimate place just to seek God. Moses, he made this place, and the Bible says that it was a little bit away from the camp. And that when he would go, everyone would look at him. They would come out, the, the other Israelites, they would come out, or the other, uh, the other people he was leading, the Hebrew children, would go to the front door of their tents they would stand and they would watch as Moses walked up to where the tent was pitched and would wait with God there or watch him meet with God. And my question has always been, I wonder how different, I wonder how different their paths would have been if instead of watching Moses go to the tent to meet with God, I wonder how different their lives would have been had they been the one going to meet with God. 
I wonder if, if they would have still been caught around this mountain for as long. I wonder if they would have still been denied going into the promised land. Because the truth is, is that the reason that they missed going into the promised land is because they were selfish about what they wanted to do and they couldn't see the big picture. But the closer you get to God's heart, the more you understand that you don't have to understand and you just trust Him. That's why we get into the presence of God. Because life is crazy and we can count, if nothing else, we can count on Jesus and life going crazy. But we know that if we have this real tangible relationship with Jesus and we've been creating a meeting place with him, then because we've been in his presence, we know whatever's going to happen, it's going to be okay. He is a God of comfort. He is a God that is present in our time of need. He is our place of refuge, our strong tower that we can run into and find mercy and strength. Today, I need to tell someone that you have been absent from the presence of God and you have been feeling like you are in a chaotic place in life and I have to tell you that it's always going to feel chaotic until you get back into your tent of meeting with the Holy Ghost. Your life is always going to seem crazy and it's always going to seem like it's out of control and it's always going to be hard for you for, to forgive if you do not get back into the tent of meeting. Moses would go out to the camp and he would meet with God and the people would watch him. God hasn't called you to a Christianity that is a spectator sport. God hasn't called us to be spectators, but he's called us to engage. And my question today, and I feel like this is what God is, is putting on my heart, is are we engaging with God or are we just waiting on him to serve us? That's good. That's good preaching. Gee, I'm going to wave my own hanky. I done left my hanky somewhere. Where's my hanky? I found my hanky. I'm about to wave it. Jesus. <laughs> Moses, he, he went to this tent of meeting and he would meet with Jesus or he would meet with the Holy Spirit. And the fire and the wind and the cloud would come down. And I find it very peculiar because people would watch it happen, but they wouldn't engage with it. And that's probably why they didn't go into the promised land. But then something else really funny happens too, that at the end of the last verse we read, it said that Moses after he got finished talking with God, he would go back to the camp, which is fine. It is what it is. Not judging Moses' heart, but what I find funny is that there's one statement that's made, and <laughs> it's almost like a mic drop. It's almost like a foreshadowing because the Bible says that once Moses would leave, who followed Moses to the tent? Joshua did. And so Moses would leave the tent, but Joshua would stay there. I wonder, because we've talked a lot about Joshua and Moses here in the last few months. I wonder if the reason Moses didn't quite get there is because maybe presence had not been a large of priority for him as Joshua. Think about it. Joshua follows Moses there. Picture this in your mind. There's a tent. Fire coming down from heaven. Crazy looking stuff. He follows Moses there. Moses leaves, but Joshua stays there. I believe that's foreshadowing of the fact that because Joshua was a person of presence, he was prepared by God's presence to lead God's people into the promise. 
I feel the Holy Ghost. You're never going to get where God is calling you to if you do not spend time in his presence. You're not going to get to God's problem. Let me see how to say this the right way. Why would God bless, why would a parent bless a child that is ungrateful and absent? I think about Bellany. The best way, you know, whenever you, everybody in here pretty much has kids, a lot of us do. Whenever your kids want something, what do they do? They butter you up. Daddy, I sure do love you. You're, and Bellany, she's got that age, she's got smart. You are the best daddy ever. And all those things that she says. And then she'll say, Daddy, I have all these My Little Ponies except this one. And you're the best daddy ever. And so I explained to her, you can't have everything you want. And then I go buy her a little pony. <laughs> but anyways. But I enjoy giving my daughter gifts because she's a good daughter. I, I love my daughter. And we don't spoil it. We don't. We we've we've had to establish that every time you go to Walmart, you're not getting the toys. Glory to God. I've never been through that. Daddy, the toys are over there. We're not going to the grocery section, anyways. But I think about God, and I think about how He desires to give us. He He gives us promises, and He desires to give them to us. But how is He going to give a child a promise that never comes into His presence? How is God going to do what he said he would do if we never even invite him into the situation? God is calling us to be a people of presence. I think about Joshua and how he would just sit there just so he can be in the same room, in the same area as God. Today, God's calling us to be a people of presence and so today and it's really strange that God is working on me this way and I'm because I'm telling you I, I had nine pages of notes I was expecting to not get through half of it um, but Karen would you come play for me please one thing I do not believe in is coming unprepared I've done that before it stinks <laughs> it makes you look stupid but this morning, I just feel like God is calling us. Can I just be 100% honest? Is that good or is that bad? Some of, some of y'all are, are like scared, like, no, Jay, don't be honest. I know you when you're honest. Don't do that. Whenever I started praying, and I know some people feel different ways about series and all those things. Um, and I started praying about the series... What, where, what did God want to take? Where did God want to take this church over the next six months, year, five years, whatever? Um, and I remember praying specifically about this series, and because um, I had something else I wanted to do, and I want to I want to speak a few weeks on family and how important that it was, and and uh, and God said, no, I want you to I want you to preach a few messages about Pentecost, about my presence. And um, I didn't really fight with him because I knew it was going into Pentecost Sunday. Um, but I did ask. I said, okay, well, God, why? I mean, what? Because I'm a why person. How many like to ask Jesus? Just you're, if, if someone tells you to do something, you just want to ask why. Like, what's? I don't mind doing it, but what's the purpose? 
That's me. And, and God said to me, he said, because there are people that are there and their lives have been so full of chaos. And that's the word he used, and that's why I've used it a lot today. That they've forgotten how important it is to be in my presence. And I wasn't even going to include that in, in my, any of my sermons because I felt like that was just something God laid on my heart and, and kind of directed the way that I put these messages together. Um, but, but in this moment, I just feel like God is trying to tell somebody, you have a choice today. You can stay depressed. You can stay in a place of perpetual loneliness and hurt. And God will allow you to wallow in whatever it is that you're going through. It's not His will, but He'll let you do it if that's what you want to do. But today's service, and this is what God is telling me in my spirit, God just wants you to know you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay in that pit of despair. He is saying, come come and experience my presence. Come and lay down every burden that you have. Lay down all the walls that you have. Lay them down. And, and God is saying, let me love on you. And so I guess the question today becomes, are you going to stay where you are? Or are you going to let God's presence penetrate your hurt and penetrate your disappointment and fill you with love and with joy and with fullness? You know, we live in this culture and this society that thinks that God has something against us and that God isn't real and that God isn't present. And if you're not careful, even as Christians, especially when we're going through hard times, we will begin to believe those things. God really doesn't care about me. If, if God cared about me, this wouldn't happen. If God loved me, then I wouldn't have to go through this. If God really, really had me on his mind, there's no way he would allow me or allow this to happen. I don't believe God orchestrates chaos. I believe he gives us the grace to go through it. But we can only receive that grace in his presence. And so today, um, and I know this is really short and it's really strange for me, um, but today... I want you to make a decision, and, I, and I, don't, I may not be talking to everyone, but I'm talking to someone, and you need more of God's presence in your life. You need a refreshing of His presence in your life, and this morning, I want to pray with you, so if everyone would, would you stand? time it is. I just know it's early. I think it's early. I may have been talking longer than I thought I was.
this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody but Jesus looking around. If that's you, and you just you need more than air, more than water, more than food, more than your next paycheck. You just need the presence of God in your life. I want you to lift your hand right now. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. If that's you, I want you to come down right now. I'm not going to do a count or anything. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, I want to come. I want you to come down. Let me pray for you right now, for for more of God's presence in your life. Jesus said, "We don't live by bread alone, but by the very word of God." Danielle, would y'all sing that song real quick? I need you. Or I need thee. Would you sing this with us right now?
troubles vanish and hearts are mended in the And in the presence of God Troubles vanish, and hearts are mended in the
you sing that just one more time as we get ready to get out of here? In the presence praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope you've enjoyed being in God's presence today. Uh, we love you. Let me pray over you and uh, hope you guys have a great holiday. Let me off work tomorrow. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> Let me pray over you. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence, God. Even today that was different than normal, Lord God, we Thank you and honor you for meeting with us, Lord, and stopping my plan so that you could speak with hearts in a way that you saw fit. Father, I pray for everyone that's going to be celebrating this weekend, uh, the Memorial, Ho holiday, I, Memorial Day holiday. I pray that you would keep them safe. Father, bring us back next week. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you next week.